welcome to Everything Renewed Podcast. This is Wes Morgan. Listen, everyday people operate under habits and mindsets that prevents growth. This podcast is here to address those habits and mindsets and dismantle negative stigmas. We truly believe that if you start with the mind, everything can be renewed. Let's go. It's another day for your mind to be renewed. My name is Wes Morgan, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, I'm excited. I have a wonderful um, guest here in our, well, no, I'm actually in the studio today. Um, So I was going to say my virtual studio, but that's not the case. But I've been covering different stories from different individuals from the past in which they have walked and continue to walk. And I'm excited to have another strong black woman here in the studio with me. Uh, some people ask, why are you saying black or white? Why does race matters? Because our stories matter. And I'm trying to make sure that the stories that are shared, people will hear and understand and hopefully have a renewed perspective. My guest today is Nakidra Dabar. She's an author, um, a businesswoman, and uh, as her book said, A Force for Change. Uh, she has de- devoted her life to helping others. She's the project coordinator of the Manasseh Project for Wedgwood Christian Services. Uh, she provides support for victims of human trafficking, uh, raises awareness in the community about sex trafficking, and um, she also is the co-founder and executive director of New Destiny Pathways. Her bio is very long. Um, and. As you guys always know, I don't try to be formal. I just be myself. So, Nakidra, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. I am well. How are you? I am well. I am glad to have you here. And we're about to get, um, we're about to have a nice episode. I know we are. Uh, You wrote a wonderful book, which we're, I mean, you told all the tea, as they say. Spilled it all. Um, But. um, not yeah well I felt like I read the whole thing front front to back but um before we start I asked all of my guests a question and what is something that you would like to accomplish this year well um in good fashion I have a million things that I wanted to um see happen this year um I will only give a few one of them is I would like to um debt free say that loud again debt free yes so listeners listen there might be a millionaire listening please contact me um you know i'm so nice to hey pay her debt off first and then pay mine um you know (laughs) and i'm looking for that's funny you said that touch and agree because i'm looking to become a millionaire hey um so well when you do call me you know what i'm saying i I got you you had me on your podcast um i also um I would like to start back going to school. Hmm. To get? I don't have a master's degree. You don't? I don't. My work um, has just been work. It hasn't been because of a, a degree that I would say that's the favor of the Lord. Hmm. Um, but I don't. And so that's, and not that I necessarily need to get that, but I just feel like that's something I've always wanted to do. And I typically do what I want to do type of thing. Like I try to. If it's a goal, has been a goal, I try to pick it back up at some point. Hmm. 
So a master's degree. Mm-hmm. And what? What would you get it in? I'm so I, I'm social work to my heart. I, I, I have my undergrad in criminal justice, but I've never done criminal justice in my life. I've done all social work. So social work is my heart, um, but I'm also considering organizational leadership. I will see you as a um this is me trying to recruit, you know, going into the counseling route as well, you know, counseling young women. Definitely will be the area I would go into. Yeah, yeah. Call me when you get that master. So, um, but no, welcome and glad to have you on the show. So let's get in your book, Cake Without Icing. Um, what made you want to write this book? I never wanted to write a book. So that was, <laughs> that was like my goal. It was not my thing. Um, I I knew that I had been going through a lot. Um, and I just felt like and I had, had a lot of conversations with God, like I am an upstanding person like I try to do I try to live a good life I try to treat people well why am I going through all this stuff and um and so I went through that journey um and then um the so my ex-husband was writing the book and and I kept asking I trying to push him to write it and eventually like the Holy Spirit was like um you worried about his book what about yours and I'm like no, nah, you ain't talking to me. That was not for me. <laughs> so then I did a project. I, so eventually I just started, I had to keep a notebook or my phone next to my bed because I just was getting downloaded with different stuff, like different things that I didn't remember about my situation um, with addiction and um, and within my marriage. I, things I just didn't remember. So I wrote it down and I, I had journaled. And so that was kind of becoming my journal. So I started mm. writing and and then my pastors did a Project 45 active, uh, event or thing where you would go, you would do a, something for 45 days, you would work on it for 45 days. And I chose to use my, to do a book in that time to start working on it. Hmm. I played around with it. It was like, I did some research. It really pushed me to do the research behind writing a book. So long and short, I didn't plan on it. I just, it was something that I guess I was supposed to do. So about this title, um, I was um, in the book, you gave uh, some clarity about the title, Cake Without Icing. Uh, What's the difference between cake and icing? So cake is the substance of who you are in or outside of your marriage. Um, That's who you truly are. And the icing is the sweetness of marriage. So like the ad is an addition to, um, and I kind of give in the book, I kind of talk about different books different types of cake that don't need icing. Mm-hmm. Um, pound cake. Yeah, pound cake, trace list, flake cake, cake, cake. Um, <laughs> So there's a lot of, uh, so I wanted to use that analogy because I wanted young women or women, period, to understand that who they are doesn't have to die because their marriage does. And so um, that's an added icing is the added piece to that. I, I love marriage. I think marriage is, is important. I think it's, um, there's value to marriage, uh, but I also know that there's value to being who you are, even if you can't, if marriage is not on your, is not uh, a part of your story. Yeah. Re- reading your book, um, one thing that jumped out that, in my opinion, um, that do not get a lot of attention is the struggle of um, Black women. Um, especially single moms. And uh, we hear 
oftentimes I'm, I'm into athletics. So I hear a lot of stories about an athlete growing up dead, wasn't there, dead, was incarcerated or the dead possibly um, may have passed away or whatever the reason may be. Um, but we have a lot of moms that are raising kids and these kids grow up to be successful. And so uh, reading your story, you fall right into that category. Um, how did this, like, how did your experience really kind of shape, shape all the things that you were going through, like shape, impact your life? Well, it, it started with the impact of the, tra the trauma that I experienced because I had been in a relationship with somebody for 24 years, you know, since I was a baby. I was 14 when he and I started dating dating as much as a 14 year old could. <laughs> yeah, I was serious, you know. Uh, we were serious. And then we became parents at 16 and married at 18. And so um that was like my best friend, you know. And so I experienced like it was like and I I kind of express in the book like the jolt that it it um, had on me when I found out about his addiction. But the biggest thing about that was that I couldn't I didn't have the luxury of just walking away. I didn't have the luxury of just of not taking care of my kids or, you know, still making sure that they lived a, a fruitful life, even though all this stuff was happening around us, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, it impacted my life because it made me, I had to um, bear down and mm -hmm. I had to, um, I wanted to still see the things that I wanted for my family happen. And so I had to work even harder than I would have if I would have had a mate to help me in that time. I've experienced having someone help me. Um, and now I'm experiencing doing it alone. And so that was that's a whole that's a whole nother story of just like being able to understand the life of a single mother and how much um how debilitating it can be, but how also how much it can stretch you to be a better person. And I think when you're on the inside of that, you can't see that. You can't see that it's stretching mm -hmm. me to be better. It's stretching me to be able to see things that I wouldn't have seen or have a different perspective um, because it's it's hard. It's hard work. Would you say, um, and I might be reaching here, but would you say there's a difference in being a Black single mother? And the reason why I'm asking this is because a lot of times we get um, shined upon like in a negative way, like the look of, look at her, like we, you're expected to have a kid when you're 15, mm -hmm. 16, no difference than most uh, black men are expected to be incarcerated before the age of 18. So the, the statistics behind that is really high. And so how society looks at you because, um, and you talk a little bit about this in a book of going to high school and you pregnant and how that affects you. Do you, do you think you, were judged or treated differently because number one, you were pregnant and number two, you were black. I didn't look at it like that um, because I, I think I, I felt like I was being judged because I made a mistake. And I mm -hmm. think mistakes happen no matter what race you are. Um, do I think that there are some things that as a black young woman that I'm not privy to that my white counterparts are? Um, absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. um, but I, I've never been one of those people to, I just haven't ever been one of those people to just 
assume it's because of my race. Mm -hmm. um, I am very clear and aware that there are things that are different because of race. Yeah. However, um, my particular situation, it was more of me pointing the finger at myself because of the decisions that I made, knowing better, you mm -hmm. know, and because I will say not not a, not all black women or young black women have the support system mm -hmm. that I have. I think sometimes as black as a, as a culture, um, we will be ashamed, and so then we'll kick our girls out. We'll be ashamed, um, and so or you know we think that they are. We, we'll say negative things sometimes to them because. Um, they're not reflecting what we want them to reflect. They're, mm -hmm. not, they're not doing the things that we had expected of them. And that was kind of my situation is that I knew people knew that I was capable of doing great things. I was a part of so many positive things and people couldn't believe it that I had made that stupid choice, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't, I didn't, that didn't come from me. I didn't feel like that came from me being black. And I went to an all black school. So mm. it was like, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I had white teachers or whatever, but um, the relationships that I had and the support that I had, I think that trumped any, any other issue that I could have come up with. Um, or it, 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 it kind of insulated me more. Mm. Um, so I, I can't say that I felt that I, I think that happened more as I became an adult and started using resources um, that society was kind of like, or, you know, my counterparts were like, you know, you, this, this isn't for you, you know, this is for, mm. you know, someone else, like the resources that I was needing to use when I was a young parent and a young wife. So mm. I saw it in that way, but not in the beginning. I hope that answers your question. No, it does. It does. Very, very enlightening. What would you say, um, to the mental aspect of this because as i was reading in your uh ex-husband being in and out and to me you uh had a lot of layers to really um address being married being a mother um an addiction um i i don't know if everyone knows the uh complexities to the weight should i say the weight to um being married to someone with an addiction how did that affect you mentally oh man i went through a lot of different changes because mind you i, I was young you know mm -hmm. so i'm going through all of those different uh changes growing into myself learning who i am trying to be a mom trying to be a good mom trying to um not to be different from what I thought people expected me to be uh, when they thought that when I had a baby, I just knew people were, I could see in their eyes that they were like, man, this is it, it for her. And like, I'm fighting mentally, I'm fighting, that's not the, that's not it for me. Like, mm -hmm. this is going, this is, I'm going to show everybody, you know, that I'm going to get past this. Um, and then when you add the addiction to that, I felt like my work during the time was drug and alcohol prevention education. So you can imagine that I struggled with the idea that I could go out here and talk to people about drugs and alcohol and try to prevent this from happening for other people. But then at home, I'm dealing with an addiction, you know? Mm. Um, and I felt like I couldn't make him stop. And, mm. and that as his wife and somebody I know he loved and I know he loved our children, um, the fact that I didn't have enough strength because I, I valued my strength mm -hmm. and 
because I felt like I didn't have enough strength to, to make him stop. I struggle with that. Of course, that doesn't even make sense. Um, we can't make other people stop. But mm-hmm. when you're in something and you just want it so bad and you believe in that person and you believe in the potential of that person, you think that you loving them, you can love them out of it. And that was not the case. Yeah. Did you ever even, and I know, like you said, you, you teach this stuff. Did you ever think about, you know, you battling, uh, a disease in the brain, right? Um, did you ever think you had a chance to beat that? Yeah, I, that's that's why I, I um, tried to enroll him into every addiction clinic that there was. Because <laughs> I'm like, if you can get this the help, I can love you. We can, your family can love you. You can get the the help that you need, the uh, psychological support you need, the therapy that you need then this is a good package. You know, we can get you out of this, you know. Um, I didn't, even though I was teaching it, I guess I didn't understand the depth of it and how there's so many other dynamics that mm. keep a person in that situation. Yeah, and, and I used to say, um, like growing up um, in Detroit and then moving out the city, really crossing eight mile, but anyway, um, <laughs> you know, we used to make fun of certain things that, um, we used to see like, oh, that's a crackhead and all those things. And now I take that as an offense mm-hmm. because, you know, of course, growing up, I could not understand why someone would leave their child in a certain situation just for a hit or some some type of drug. It didn't make sense to me. Um, but now understanding the psychology behind that um, and also the physical toll that it takes on the brain and how someone literally changed the way in which they think, how I sometimes explain it on a very uh, simple uh, way to some of the clients. It's like, imagine this drug dictating every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get to control your everyday being. Mm-hmm. This drug controls where you go. It controls what you do. And then imagine so-called trying to be normal. Mm-hmm. And that redefining that and really giving that that um that person a whole another different identity is really tough so like what made you i want to back up because i kind of jumped in way too (laughs) too easy but what made you go into this field uh i've always loved people so i've always wanted to work with people i always wanted to work with youth and so um I applied at Wedgwood when I was like 20 or 19. Either way, I was too young. So then I ended up doing something else and I can't, and then I, once I was of age, I think I was 21. Once I was of age, I applied again. And so it just never was, it was just something I wanted, was something I wanted to do, but I didn't know anything about Wedgwood. I just knew that they did what I thought I wanted to do. And so I'm thinking I'll be here for you know, maybe a couple of years. Never did I think I'd be here almost 20 years. Like mm. I just didn't have that in mind, but I just knew that I love people and being here, working with people gave me that, that gratification, you know, and it, it allowed me to see people come from different things and then change or have a mindset to change. And then I opened up my program because I had worked here um, and, and, saw that girls would leave here and not have a place to go. Kids would leave here and not have a place to go. And I had to, one day I had to take a young lady. uh, She had dissolved her placement in foster care. I was a foster care worker at that time and had to take her to a, uh, 
shelter and I cried all night. I was like, I'm not doing that again. If I have if I have a choice, I'm not taking the young lady to a shelter. And so that's when I started. I worked with another uh, lady and we opened up So it was actually three of us initially. Hmm. That that's powerful because you're you're an extension, of course, of God's grace and his mercy to um, people, but being able to provide shelter to women. Um, in, in your book, to me, like from a male perspective, I'm reading this from two, and I'm looking at it from two different lenses, trying to understand from like, man, a father's perspective, like I can see what will make him come and go. And then trying to understand it from your perspective, but the damage that often comes from situations like you've been through. What would you say to women? Um, And I'm being very, uh, what's the word here? I'm being very broad for a reason because I don't want to get, tell, you know, all the details of the book because I I really want people to read it. Um, But what would you say to women, single mothers, um, maybe a young mother, uh, you said it was a mistake. I wanted to challenge that, but um, why would you say it was a mistake of being pregnant when you were, or well, getting pregnant when you were young? And my baby wasn't was a mistake. Yeah, yeah, not uh, the baby. But as a Christian, as a Christ follower, mm-hmm. I was always taught and that you should marry first you mm-hmm. know, before having children, before having sex, you know, and I, I had no business <laughs> at the age of 15, 16, having sex and creating a baby. And I, I there's, I believe that God was saying, you know, you know, you're not mentally ready for that. You're not physically ready for that. You're not emotionally ready for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I say mistake, it's it because, it, and, and I'm careful to say mistake too, because I never want my son to feel like he was a mistake. He is smart enough to understand that that wasn't the, the initial path that I had planned to take for my life. And so, that being, it seemed like it was, yeah, okay, you know, gotcha. so it wasn't, it was just not what I had expected for my life. Yeah. So what would you say to the young ladies and, um, and even older ladies who may be battling, because I can see this on uh, a plethora of ways. Number one, the young lady who feels like she's stuck um, and she may not be pregnant, but maybe dealing with a father who's or an uncle or a guardian, someone who is um, battling an addiction. So they are void of love or attention, Um, or it can be a a grown woman who still have not healed. What would you say based upon your experience to speak to other uh, women that are in similar situations? Uh, I would tell them that you are not what you've experienced. You um, don't have to stay in anything that does not serve you well. You do not have to, um, even if it's something that you've been in, there are other options. And I think when you're in a toxic situation, you don't see the other options, especially in a relationship, because you think I may not be loved again. I may not be loved like this again. I may, nobody may not want me. I have children or, um, you know, they, they may not, I don't want to relearn somebody. They may not want to learn me. You know, you have all these different thoughts that, that go through your head um, that keep you there. Um, and sometimes it's fear that the, your life is not going to be even as good as it is at that moment, you know. And so I, I challenge um, young and old women to to find out, first of all, who you are, what it is you like, and where do you see yourself? 
outside of the toxicity of that relationship? Where do you see yourself and and how how do you how can you get there? And if you don't know, who can you talk to to get there? Um, I think that's one thing. It's isolating ourselves because of toxic situations just creates a cycle of toxic situations, you know? And so I think- So isolate, say that again. So I think isolating yourself because of the toxic situation. So because of the guy that you're with or um, because of the situation you're in, we get comf- we can get comfortable in that, mm-hmm. you know? And instead of reaching out to people um, to say, I'm in this situation and I need, I don't know how to get out. Um, or, you know, it's, it's, it's sh- it can be shameful. You know, mm. it can be shameful when you know people are watching you in a situation and you don't know how to get out, but you're too shame to talk to somebody about it. Mm. Um, so then you isolate and then nobody knows what you're going through. Um, and then you put on this face when you come out into the community, and you're just a whole totally different person. Um, but I would also tell them that you are enough. You you don't. And that's the cake. Like mm. you have substance to you. You have value to you. Um, you are important, you know. Um, you are beautiful. You you can love again. You know, this is not doesn't have to be the end for you. And in order for you to be able to um, even think past a toxic situation, you have to start loving you because mm-hmm. otherwise you think that that's what's supposed to be. You think that that's that is where you're supposed to be. Or this is what it was. The life was designed for you. There's nothing better um, than that. You know, and, and for me. Like I always say, Tommy and I had a beautiful relationship. We had charisma together. You know, we had fun together. We loved each other. We had our children. Um, we we had a great relationship with our children. Were there hard times? Were there things that I didn't like? Were there things he didn't like? Absolutely. Um, but we were good. I felt like he was my soulmate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in that, love wasn't enough. So I had to leave that situation to recognize that I love him so much, but I love me too. And so I would encourage women to love you first. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously that comes with loving God and knowing, and that's for me because I am a a faith believer, but being able to see your identity within within God to to be able to love yourself because he's Mm -hmm. the one who created you. Um, So being able to create that that love for yourself, because I think once you build that value, once you, once you know who you are, then you know that this ain't it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this year is not it, yeah. you know? So. That's good. Uh, I, I like that because oftentimes we, we think because we're broken, we can't be restored. Mm-hmm. Um, and that isolation part really do play a factor. Uh, it plays a number uh, on people's lives because we think we know, other people or some people think that other people deal with this, but they're too shame. A lot of guilt is on them that weight that, okay, how is, what, what are people going to say and what are they going to think of me and all of that stuff? So, um, I even said in my book, like I was so concerned about what other people thought because I knew that people looked up to us being a young couple mm-hmm. and that so many people would say that adults would say that's like, man, we, wish we had what you had like we just love y'all you know y'all are just great you know what great great partners and so I for so long I was like I don't want to let people down 
you know, yeah. even though I was struggling, you know, I didn't want to let other people down. I didn't want to let my children down. I didn't want to let the people that I loved down. And I didn't want the people that I knew were watching the young couple that are like fighting to try to stay together because not because of anything necessarily toxic, just because they don't know how to, to stay together. And I was like, we were doing that. You know, we had done that for 24 years, close to 24 years. Wow. And so I wanted to be that for somebody, hmm. but I couldn't be that for them and we couldn't make it work at home. Yeah. And so that was a whole nother mental thing. So. Yeah. We could take this so, so far because I I'm listening to you talking also realizing that purpose still have to go, like you still have to live out your purpose. So still go help other people's lives, other families, and then battling your own at home. And I think a lot of people struggle like that, even, you know, therapists and doctors, um, they honestly say we have the worst marriages uh, in relationships because of the fact that you're too busy out doing other things and can't really take care of home. So, but di different aspects of what you do and what you're doing um, is very powerful. I, I want to, I really don't want to switch, but um, I want to talk about um, new destiny pathways because I think it's important for people to understand the level of work that you do. You all, you're going to have to get the book. Um, and for our listening audience, you guys know what I do. I always purchase materials um, and give them away for free. So whatever uh, episode you have listened to, but more importantly today, um, I do have, um, I bought a book and I'm willing to buy more. Um, please contact me and I will literally buy you the book and send it to you for free. Cost you nothing but time to read it because um, we want not only just to support uh, Nikidra and what she's doing, but I want to make sure that you all have some good information um, in her book that you can learn and apply it to your life. But I think it's important also to know um, what people are doing. And part of your story is creating this whole new uh, organization, new news. God, I'm killing it. New destiny pathway. Sorry. So what I, how can we support that? What is it? Like, I know you spoke to it a little bit earlier, but like, give, give us more meat, give us yeah. more cake. Yeah. <laughs> so New Destiny Pathways is a nonprofit organization that provides housing and life skills education to young women who are aging out of the foster care system. And so they would typically leave a residential placement like a Wedgwood or a St. John's or a Bethany. And um, once they are in that between 17 and 21 year age, um, they would contact us. We would do it. We would do an interview. Um, they would file an application. We'd do an interview with them to see if they're a good fit. And then we'll place them into our program. Um, we have a six bedroom home mm. that we've had. Uh, that, that was our first initial home when we started. And we're, we're coming up on our 10 year um, anniversary wow. of, of um, having New Destiny. Um, but we have a housing dean as well who lives in the home. She has like a granny apartment that's connected to the home. And her job is to oversee the young women, make sure that they are following the expectations of the home, um, that they have are, um, you know, making sure they're keeping the home clean, making sure that they're working on goals. So they come in with goals and every week we look at what those goals are and assess how, what they've done to work toward those goals. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as just being there 
for them. Uh, one of the young ladies uh, said to us uh, not too long ago, New Destiny is the only home that some of us know. And that messed me up because wow. um, it just, you know how powerful the work that you do and it's hard work. You know, you have people mm-hmm. who just don't, they're not ready yet for that type of support. They don't know they they are, you know, the kids that we work with, um, they've experienced so much trauma that they self-sabotage. And so um, some of them are not ready for that level of love and care. And so they, they sabotage and they end up back in the street. But then we also have those who come back and say, you know what, I didn't listen. I should have listened. Can you help me again? You know, and that's rewarding, you mm-hmm. know? And so we still try to show them the love that, um, they were designed to experience and um we do our best to to be holistic with that so like helping them with grocery shopping understanding what grocery shopping is helping them learn how to cook some of them already know how to cook um some of them have no family some of them have Mm. family that's not so good for them so helping them to not not Helping them to understand what what healthy relationships look like versus unhealthy relationships. We bring in clinicians all the time uh, to do group therapy, um, to uh, even help with uh, the staff and my housing dean, like to help her understand how to work with young people who've experienced so much trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get their own bedroom. They get to they have their uh, it's beautiful home. Um, they have they share the kitchen, they share the obviously the laundry room and the living room, that kind of stuff, but they have their own space. So we could do two persons per room because they are nice size rooms, but we just wanted them to be able to have their individual space. And um, we know that a lot of them have not experienced that before. So um, so ultimately we try to get them connected to resources, help them with employability skills and just prepare them to be on their own um, mm. and uh, to have the skills so that they're not um so that so they're not vulnerable to some of the things that are happening to our young women. What are the needs of the program? Like, so if our listeners, because I don't, you know, I don't take nothing for granted. We have listeners in Germany, Singapore, Canada, like, and all throughout the U.S. And I, again, still blows my mind, but yeah. whatever. Um, but what are the needs? Because we don't know who's listening. And there might be someone who's ready to write a new destiny a check and say, hey, we want to, we appreciate what you're doing. And, you know, maybe you can get another house. Maybe you guys can get a car for the organization to be able to help these young ladies. What are some of the needs you guys have? I'll start with the big things since you mentioned it. Yeah, go big. <laughs> we have land that we'd love to build on so that we can uh, wow. provide a next level to uh, to what we offer um, currently. And so uh, more of an independent, even more independent than they are in the independent living program at New Destiny right now. And so we, so we need some contractors. We need some contractors. Or, you know, this. I actually would actually love to have a different place for them, uh, but we do have the land, and um, so we'd like to be. We need contractors. We need we need uh, moolah to help. Mm-hmm. You know, with some of that, uh, we need. That's money, y'all. That's that, money, yeah, right? just no, no. You are. Right. <laughs> I want to be. I want to be sure real clear. <laughs> um, and we always need mentors like. Uh, for the young ladies, we try to connect them with a mentor. So mentors are helpful. Um, we also always need hygiene project products. So um, dishwashing liquid, laundry detergent, um, 
And we also uh, look for mentorship, even for us, as we started that we started a new destiny just with our hearts. Like mm-hmm. we need to do this, and we don't necessarily know the business aspect of that. So mentorship, even for us, like mm-hmm. uh, to help with capacity building and strategic planning and that kind of thing. We've had a couple grants that have helped us to be able to do that, but um, and like to be debt free, like. That's I'm trying to look at everything debt free. So the house debt free, the, mm-hmm. the like you said, a vehicle to even be able to bless one of the young ladies with, or um, mm-hmm. for for a new destiny, so that we can you know get them back and forth. We do. There is something to teaching them how to pay rent, so they do pay rent mm-hmm. a very small amount, but and how to navigate uh, public transportation too, because you may not always have a car. So how mm-hmm. are you going to do these things? So that's, we're very intentional about those kind of things, but, um, yeah, so we always need that kind of support as far as like computers, you know, for the girls and they come in, some of them are just, they haven't been in school in a long time. And so trying to get them connected so that they can, some of them only want to get their GED, mm-hmm. not only, so want to get their GED. And so we try to help with that. So computers are also, Helpful. Okay. So uh, to our listening audience, um, you heard the needs. Um, how can how can people reach you? You know, not only because your resume is very extensive, so you do a lot of training, you do a lot of uh, educating, especially on sex trafficking. That's a whole another episode by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I have benefited. I think I said in like possibly three. I know for sure two of your trainings and they are very informative and it makes me want to go directly to the gun store and make sure I have my daughter handcuffed to me <laughs> listening to those trainings. Um, but how can people contact you, reach you, um, even the websites for New Destiny? And just in case you all can, um, you don't write these down, of course, they will be in the show notes as well. So if you are looking for um, human trafficking work or training, um, you can contact me at endabarge um, at wedgewood.org. So N-D-E-B-A-R-G-E at wedgewood.org. If you're looking for me personally, um, then you can go to Debarge at Gmail. Um, if you're looking for uh, information on New Destiny Pathways, it's New Destiny Pathways at Gmail. And then our website is New Destiny Okay. So do me a favor, listening audience, if you listen to the entire podcast, which I know you guys do, please just share this with one person. Um, you never know. Uh, I don't care if you tag Apple, uh, you tag Dell, tag whoever, um, someone who and we always try to, you know, someone who has power and influence, because I do believe it is very important to share stories because we never know um, how many people lives are being transformed because it's never about us, but it's about the purpose in which uh, we are serving. So a lot of young ladies lives are being saved in this city because of the work that Nakedra and her staff are doing. And we want to definitely support that, get behind it. Even if it's like you might not be able to 
you might not be a contractor, right? But you have $25 that you can donate every month. So that $25 can stretch a long way from laundry detergent to soap, um, feminine products, the whole nine yards. So please get behind this work. Um, and if you have any questions, you already know how to reach me. But Nikita, thank you for joining me and um, really accepting the invite. Um, I hope everybody read the book and get a copy of your book. I hope I get like 15, 20 inquiries about your book so I can purchase those um, and give them away. But I definitely appreciate your time. And maybe, maybe, I don't know, we'll see how that works. That's a whole nother season on the whole sex trafficking because that's a lot of information. Um, and I would love for you to share um, insights and stuff uh, regarding that. So thank you for your time. Listening audience, thank you for joining in. Until next time, um, have a great day. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to the Everything Renewed podcast. I hope you heard something that was helpful and that you can relate to. Do me a favor, like, share, and subscribe to the show. Remember, start with the mind and everything can be renewed. Until next time, stay fresh, stay cool, and stay renewed.